Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technician. Today is July 13, 2015. Yes, starting off on a fresh week Monday. Let's get rid of those energy vampires that's been causing us problems. Let's not even think about those. And my, also my condolences go out to the family of Homer Stringer. You will be missed. He was a dear class friend of mine and, um, he passed yesterday around 318 um, due to complications of his liver and other things. So he will be missed. I, I tell you, everybody looks like they're leaving so quickly and so soon. Oh, I just not too long ago just had another family member that passed away too. So, you know, these are the moments that really makes you cherish every little thing. Get out there, start calling people, forget all the Facebook. I mean, I don't mind Facebook, but we do too much of it without realizing that it's other things around us. Let's get on the phone, call that person, see how they're actually really doing, because that's what matters. By the end of the day, you have lost words, and you don't know what to really say, because I really didn't get time to talk to Homer like that because of social media, and we get caught up with our own lives. But anyhow, on to happier news, I have a guest on who speaks Three, about three languages, English, Spanish, and Portuguese, which I knew how to speak Portuguese. Um, but here with me is Father Robert Carr. We'll be talking about Catholicism for the 21st century and amongst other things. He does various activities. He blogs, he does videos, and is currently working on his fourth book. His blogging and communication material and link to the parish where he serves can all be found at his website, which we will discuss later on. He is also a former public radio producer, having worked at a public radio station in the Boston area as a music host and public affairs producer and host. He is a United States Navy veteran, having served as a sonar technician in the late 1970s, early 1980s, giving him some international experience in the world prior to entering a seminary. So this will be an interesting topic. We're not being biased here. We're not going to be mean. We're not also going to be cruel. I'm going to add that too, because sometimes you can be mean and don't mean and mean to be. So let's all be respectful. Father Carr, thank you for being on. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate being here. Thank you. So how are you doing today? Doing well. Um, I had um, uh, opportunity to spend a couple of days in northern New England, and um, it was kind of nice and relaxing. Don't get a chance to do that often, so starting a new week with a little bit of rest. I know that's right. That's what I say. This is a time to start over. I don't really too much like going into Mondays, but hey, it's a time to relax, get a new refresh, start over. It's like uh, being reborn all over again. But as I said, I'm glad it's your own. Father Carr, I want to ask what actually made what actually made you go into priesthood. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I was, um, as as you said in the introduction, I was a, a sailor in the in the navy, and I had left the church. Um, I was away from the church, and I came back. Uh, I was actually heavy into drinking, um, and I came back after a few experiences. One powerful experience was. I was really frustrated when I couldn't find any beer to enjoy with my eggs and bacon on a Sunday morning. And uh, <laughs> I realized maybe I have a problem of some form. <laughs> and I had a severe <laughs> drinking problem at that point. And I actually made a deal with God that um, the, the deal was that uh, I would – uh, quit drinking if he didn't turn me into one of those praise the Lord people, and we have kept uh, neither of our deals with each other. <laughs> but um, <laughs> after I came back, 
in return to the church, I got to see how much there was a need to preach the gospel. And to make a long story short, I eventually decided the seminary was the way, and I went from there. Wow. And that is that really is interesting. What I mean, what are some ways maybe that we can give, I mean, what we can influence people to do the religious life? Just living it is probably the most important thing. That's that's what people see most. You know, that going that, um, you know, just living your, your faith, go, going to church on Sunday or, um, you know, is one of the most powerful things you can do because it really just simply going to church leads people to ask the question, why, what is so important that people at whatever time in the morning are going to that church, what are they finding there that I'm not finding reading the newspaper and watching, you know, whatever channel? So, and just living your faith and, uh, 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 and obviously praying. I, I mean, I think we do ask that what are they actually going for because, I mean, some people seem like they go to church and they come right back out. They seem the same way. Like, did you just, didn't you just go to church and you, you back out acting rebellious again. So that kind of confuses me. That's a good but point. I'm not saying that you change overnight. That that's right. And uh, and and you know what? Um, there, there's that issue. I mean, when you're going to church, you have to be ready for the Lord to transform you. And regardless of who you are, um, the 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 most dangerous thing to do is to be the person who thinks that they are holy enough when they walk into church because usually they are the least holy when they walk into church and I've dealt with a few of those. Uh, it's just when you walk in, as as the saying goes, church is not a um, a sanctuary for saints; it is a hospital for sinners, and it's a place where you recognize okay. I need yes. to be here. Right. So that. That that is one of the most powerful things you can do is just recognizing your need to be there, and it really opens the door for others. Right, and don't straddle the fence. You're either going to be on this side or you're going to be on the other. You don't want to be in between. Uh, let me also ask, Pastor, um, Father, I'm, I'm so used to saying Pastor, but Father, let me ask this one. Are women getting more into the movement of priesthood too, or are they still being rejected on that? There's a good question. I get that question um, occasionally, and I've preached it to the the um, my community. Um, and it brings us back to what is the role of women in the church. Um, and if you you know, are women allowed to be priests in the Catholic Church? No. Um, but a lot of people take that as to mean that women are kept at a at a second-class level, and that is a complete misunderstanding of the role of women in the church. Um, I learned a lot about the role of women in the church from my uh, experience with the um, Latino community. And what you learn there is that um, women in in the – well, one of the most powerful women in the church was a woman by the name of Dorothy Day, and this really kind of cites the role. And – during Vatican II, which was a major conference we had in the church, she would pray on the steps of the Vatican, and as every priest, bishop, and cardinal walked by, she would say, you better do the right thing. If you think of the role of the women in the church in the time of the apostles, mm-hmm. if you think of Peter or the apostles coming back really discouraged, um, it's the woman who says, to maybe says, you know, encourages the person but says, no, they're the ones that have the vision to say, go out. And this is what needs to be done. Um, I was in Ecuador one time, and there was a community that wanted uh, a church in their community. When when I was in Ecuador, I was in a parish that had what what are known as recintos, and they were these little towns that went went long distances of groups of little towns. Well, some of those... um, little towns may not see uh, a priest come to the town for like a month because in one case it was like uh, a half a day's journey through um, through the, the forest to find this town that was in the middle of the jungle, so to speak, and way out there. 
and um, they wanted a, 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 a chapel in their town. And they said to the priest, you supply the money, our husbands will supply the labor, and we will have the chapel in our town. That's really the role. It's more or less like the visionary, the, the board of directors that says, this is what needs to be done, get it done. Not, a lot of people don't understand that as the role of women in the church. They they think, well, it's the man who does everything. When I do a communion call, I always go with a, a woman who is a nurse. And uh-huh. uh, you have the male-female perspective plus the spiritual medical perspective. And that's how I've always done things, where you always have, you never go out the priest alone. It's always priest with a nun or a woman, and we provide both perspectives um, that wouldn't be provided if you just have the idea I'm the priest to do it my way. It doesn't work that way. So does that give you a better okay. understanding? It does. It, it makes you see things more clear now. Also, you know, there were talk maybe amongst others about um, does does the church really like endorses monogamy or or does it still like teach that man will be able to have like multiple wives in heaven of that sort? I- that's, that's not the Catholic Church. We've never taught that. Um, okay. As a matter of fact, th- that's actually in the gospel, too. If you remember, it, it, in the gospel, there's the story where the people ask Jesus, you know, um, it was a tradition in the Ju- Jewish community that if someone, that if a, a husband died, then one of the relatives okay. would marry the wife uh, so that she, the children would have a father, and and so so basically they said, you know, she marries seven men because each one died, and the next one comes and marries. Who's going to be her husband in heaven? And Jesus says um, that no, it doesn't work that way. In heaven, you know, there is no marriage as we understand it in heaven. I forget the exact phrase, but um, so that's uh, so so the concept of that there are lots of uh, wives waiting for us in heaven that is not a Catholic concept. Okay. Well, that's great to know. Look, see, that's, I, I have to, you know, I have to ask because I always, I was curious. Um, no. Well, well, you know what? Sure. It, uh, it, well, you're asking because there are people in your audience that are probably thinking the same questions so you've got to ask, of course. Yeah. That's great. Now, you know, we have had this big talk about passing the gay marriage law and Oh, it kind of mm-hmm. bothers me a little bit, Father, because it's so amazing that people focus their time on that little stuff that really shouldn't matter to people on who marry who or what sex, whatnot. We have so much bigger issues going on in front of us than we worry about this. What is your take on the issue? Well, um, I'm Catholic, and we understand that so we come from the concept of God's laws but to understand that, we understand, as the, the Catholic Catechism teaches, of the laws of God, which represent a wisdom that you cannot find on the earth. So what we're talking about is a deeper wisdom. And that deeper wisdom talks about um, that a relationship, uh, a married relationship is between, a committed married relationship is between a man and a woman um, who biologically bring up children um, in a family, which becomes a a basic family unit that becomes, as we call it, domestic church. So do I agree with gay marriage? No, I don't. Um, And and the reason is because I'm looking at the source of a deeper wisdom. And on the surface, it may appear that's the easiest way to go. Why not? And that is... um, a understanding within our country that comes from the perspective of, you know, let's do what makes uh, people happy right now, but we're looking at what leads people to the ultimate form of happiness, the fullness of humanity, which comes from a deeper wisdom. Right. And there, I mean, these hard questions arise, but, when it just comes to faith being exercised in these religions in so many ways because now they're talking about, you know, for example, a religious college provides marriage student housing only to mm-hmm. opposite-sex couples. 
or a religious adoption agency declines to place children with same-sex married couples. And this is going on right now. About five hours ago in the article, they were talking about it. Well, in the Archdiocese of Boston, they stopped um, because we were in a position where um, uh, we would have to act in ways that are contrary to our faith. The uh, Cardinal uh, Cardinal O'Malley got out of the adoption of this business completely, and that happened probably about 10 years ago. And so the Archdiocese of Boston has not been engaged, engaged in uh, adoption now for about 10 years, after about 200 years or 100 years of it. So that has that has a route that people have gone down, including the Archdiocese of Boston. Oh, I tell you, I think it's going to be a big old it's going to be a big old blowout, and I hope it just don't escalate to anything uh, major. But it's going to be a battle because, I mean, people are still talking about it right now in our faces, and it's like, oh, and I don't see it as a threat, but others do. I mean, but you know, I try not to get into those type of topics. I even had one person ask me, uh, what if your children were supposedly come to tell you that they want the same sex, well, would, would you still love them? And my answer could only be, Father, yes, I would still love them. If my daughters right now want to tell me that, unfortunately, I hope not, but I would still love them because that's what, to me, that's what a mother's job is, to still love your children unconditionally no matter what. If you... If you throw them out there in the street and disregard them, then obviously you didn't have that love for them in the beginning. That's how I see it. Well, I can tell you a worse story than that because you're, of course, your role is to love them. I mean, uh, you know, right. it, it's all that would be it, hard I mean, for me. I, I, you know, I mean, that's the role of a mother, and that's and the mother is the model role of God. Now, I had uh, I I done Catholic journalism, and I did a story many years ago. Um, from a person who, um, who worked actually for the Archdiocesan Ministry for AIDS. He actually helped form it. Mm-hmm. And he told me, and, and just oh, we actually started the, the hour talking about this kind of a thing. He told me of how frustrated he would become where, now this is, again, we're talking about AIDS, and this is the early days of AIDS where it was an automatic death sentence. And he said that what would happen is, um, a man would have AIDS, he'd be dying of AIDS, and for the first time in his life, his parents, well, he, you know, his parents would come to see him, and for the first time in his life, he would tell his parents that he was gay, and they would turn around and reject him on the spot. And I remember the quote, I put it right in the article, and he said, and then three weeks later, I would call them up and say, your son has died, they would say, thank you very much, and hang up the phone, but still go to church on Sunday. Oh. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it, it, is not the, it, it is not the role of, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be your role to turn around and say, well, I can't love you. That, that would be, I mean, because even God doesn't do that. Right. You know what it is, and remember, we're here on a lifetime. The lifetime is a conversion. It's a, it's it, it's an you know we're here. Our life is. Saint Francis said it very well. You never really can judge a person until you reach the last day of his life. You know, our life is a conversion. Right, I, you know. Right, and we and it's always going to be that battle between the Bible. I have even had discussions on my shows. Um, previously where people say, oh, I was born this way and this and that, and that kind of confuses me, Father, because I'm like, okay, you was born this way, now I'm confused. Because I, I, I don't try to go into a big old debate about it when it comes to the Bible because I always say each to their own, and that's mm-hmm. something that you have to be judged on later on. But what is your take when people come to you and may may tell you that I was born this way um, you know, a really good question. Um, there are different responses to, uh, you know, remember what we're looking for. Let me, let me step back yes, a, a bit and kind of give a deeper understanding. One of the things we want to be careful of is making the difference. You know, let me go back even further. I'm talking as a Catholic priest, right? So I'm talking from the perspective of the Catholic faith. 
one of the things to be careful is to not confuse um, the, the call to live our faith as strictly a set of um, moral rules. They're there, but remember, ultimately what we're called to do is, and this is what Jesus says, we're called to do the will of God. Okay? So our life is seeking to do the will of God, and we have uh, the tradition of the church and scripture and everything to give us an understanding of what the will of God is. That understood, the question is, what is God's will for my life is a different question than... Um, is this right or wrong for me? In other words, a person could um, choose, for example, to feel that they should be in a married relationship uh, with a person of the same sex and not uh, and not have any relationship with God and think that they are doing what God called them to do, but they don't have a relationship. You start with the relationship with God. So in that sense, from that perspective, I think I'd be inclined to to say, well, this is where you go. You bring everything into prayer and say, Lord, I feel I was born this way. What do I do now? And you bring it to prayer uh, because ultimately your goal is to do the will of God, not just to do right or wrong. Do you understand the difference? Right. And that, I, that's one of the that's I think one of the I do, and I hope... Oh, oh, I was going to say, I think I do understand that, and I hope everybody else does, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's where it begins. It begins by saying, you know, and, and do re- realize that the person who who tries and fails is far closer to the do- to God than the one who who doesn't try and succeeds, you know, to appear like they're doing the right thing. Do you, do you understand? Because just, there's that intention. Right. I think just alone by itself, the Bible does not have to just be used to demonstrate this understanding of marriage. Because as you said, we we do know that if if you read your Bible, this union is supposed to be between the male and the female. But I think the biblical viewpoint of marriage has it's been the universal understanding of marriage in every human civilization, world history, and history, you know, always argues against gay marriage and modern mm-hmm. secure psychology recognize that men and women are psychologically and emotionally designed to complement one another but you know as father said we have to pray on certain things and you know I, when I get to that crossroad which I hope I never do I hope I will be able to accept whatever comes from my children that's, that's how I will put it because I will try to love you unconditionally, and I hope it don't come to that about like the story you just gave us, hung up on them and, and say, oh, well, okay, that's good. I'm going to go to church, though. You yeah, know, I mean, that, I I mean that a, is, that's a grave sin in itself. It is. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. But only 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 the one who's doing the sin will know, because judge, judgment day will come. That's why we don't judge. Because we don't know what's to be expected. I don't know how, I don't know what's to be expected when God comes here. You know, we talk about it all the time, but we don't, we don't know. All I can say is everybody just needs to be prepared. Make sure that you're doing the right thing. Make sure you're on your guard. That's all I have to say. Because I don't want to get into that deep battle because it, it, it explodes. When you come to talk about the Bible, Father, and you know that for yourself, mm-hmm. it gets into a big argument because everybody's religious views is so different. And then you have people who are religious. Some people who are spiritual, so all that's tying in. But let's um let's get on to evolution, though. Where do mm-hmm. Catholics stand on evolution alone? Do they accept it? Um, there's a good question, and I think out of our topics, that's the one that'll have the most reaction. To tell you the truth, the evolution one. <laughs> um, <laughs> We so we as Catholics um, believe that God created the world as He chose to. So we are open to the possibility of evolution, um, but you have to understand what evolution is. There's the secular atheist form of evolution, which is everything is completely random, and we don't believe that. We believe that if evolution exists, it was guided by the Lord. Um, so that's where we stand on that, 
And one of the interesting things that I have found is if you take the concept of evolution in some form or another, you can understand that it leads us to realize that that God, if you don't believe in God, God is a strong possibility. Believe it or not, through the science of evolution. And the reason is because by default, evolution says that we do not have a full understanding of the world around us. Otherwise, we would have to say we are fully evolved. So okay. it's really something. It was a, There was a priest a long time ago uh, by the name of Father Pierre Tehard de Chardin who came up with some teachings that were a little bit off, but he was the one who really became the first one to recognize there was something there. So obviously that always happens when you, you're the pioneer. And he realized that, no, evolution didn't contradict Christianity. If anything, the two uh, actually met many times in, in, in evolution. So that's an example of what I was just saying. If, if someone were to say to me that they will tell me there is no God, then I would say that what they're saying to me is they have experienced all of reality and they understood when they experienced all of reality that they did not see God. The obvious question is, are you evolved enough that you can say that you can see all of reality? And even Jesus would tell you, evolution aside, no, because he would say, as he does in the Bible, that God is spirit. Well, you and I can't see spirit. We can only see that which is made of matter. He says it in John, God is spirit. So that's one of the interesting things about evolution. And I actually gave a homily on this. And as I began, I mentioned science. Um, and the guy came up to me afterwards and he said, the minute I heard priests saying science, I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And then he told Uh-oh. me how much he actually <laughs> right. did, enjoy my, he did enjoy my homily. Well, I'm here in Boston. I'm in the shadow of MIT. And he was, a, he was a scientist at MIT and really said, finally, you know, you're really coming to understand that science and faith go together. Well, that's one example. When you realize that our ability to perceive the reality around us is limited, then you start to realize, well, that means that you can't say God does not exist because you don't have the ability to say, all, I perceive all of reality around me, and that's what evolution teaches. You are not at the position you can perceive all of reality because we haven't reached the fullness of who we are. And, and Well, concerning human evolution, um, I know that, like, the church, well, I don't know for certain that the church has a more definite teaching that allows for the possibility that man's body developed from previous biological forms under God's guidance, but it insists on the special creation of his soul? Um, oh, that, that's a good question. I, I, I have to look a little deeper into that. I, um, that's a really good question. Um, I know that Pope, then Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict XVI said that it has not been Catholic teaching that we see the story in Genesis as a mechanistic account, I forget the exact word he used, but basically said that, of creation. Um, but it's more, he actually said it's a prophecy, and really there, you see that prophecy in there, that Jesus is redeeming the world, and we do see that in the, in the book of Genesis. So, um, as, so your real question is, when does the soul appear? And I'll have to look that one up in, in history. Why? And I mean, it's equal... Um, what what do you think, Father? Is it equally impermissible to like really dismiss that story of Adam and Eve and the fall as a fiction? Well, there's something profound there, and that's see that's where I have a problem. Where if we just look at it as a as a story, whether we accept it as true or not, we'll miss the fact that there is a profound truth there. I've never been able to find the quote. Someone said that Bertrand Russell, who was this powerful atheist about 100 years ago, said that the only provable dogma in Christianity was original sin. But there is something so profound there that says, why is it that we as human beings cannot build the perfect society? And the Bible gives you the answer, because somewhere along the line, 
we, um, what entered into our reality is an imperfection that makes it impossible for us to build the perfect society. One of the problems that we're struggling with today is people reject that, and so they say we can build a perfect society, and it's never been done. And it's like, well, okay, then show me, then, then show me one. And, but the Bible teaches, no, only in God will you find perfection. And, and it's in there. It's, it's fascinating. But that's one of the deeper truths of Genesis. The other deep truth of Genesis is it's, it's the, the, people don't understand this. The greatest sin in the Old Testament is idolatry, and it's really speaking against idolatry as well. So that story um, is in there for a powerful reason, and it's not just something we dismiss as doesn't mean anything. It, it really has something extremely powerful to teach us. Um, and part of that is this experience of our reality, who we truly are, and part of it is we're flawed. Right. This is this is very deep. That's why I say you have to be careful when you go into religion. You got to be you have to be ready to fight almost. That's why I step back when it comes to. I'm like, oh, you're not gonna get me to debate on this. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm not going to be no fool to start no battle with no religion. And then it goes from here to there because everybody got their own opinions and everything. That's why I be careful when I post religious statements. I try to wing away from those because somebody's not mm-hmm. going to like what you said or anything. Yeah. But we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back with Father Carr. We're going to get more into talking about um, discussion on Pope Francis' latest Encynical. Um, and mm-hmm. we're also going to talk about a couple of his books that he has published too, so do not touch that down. We'll be right back after this. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. Diabetes can be prevented, even more so in my patients over 60. Losing a small amount of weight by getting some physical activity five days a week and eating healthier has proven to be effective. There was a time I could not go from my basement up to my bedroom, but now I can, and that means a lot to me. Join my patients who are taking small steps and gaining big rewards. For more information on how to prevent diabetes, call 1-800-438-5383. The message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, Let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All right, we're back here with Father Carr. We've been talking about topics on gay marriage, where we stand on evolution and science alone. And we're trying not to take it too far so we don't offend anyone. But, hey, if you do... We're not trying to be disrespectful, but we are speaking on it. Um, do call in with your comments and questions at 347-426-3751, and the chat box is still open for you as well. So, Father Carr, um, mm-hmm. Pope Francis' new and cynical has it. I mean, it was released. It's been released um, after months of speculation and some people have said they enjoy reading it and found it much into appreciate and admire. What is your take on it? It's it's powerful. Just like his first encyclical, uh it's well actually that was that was called an apostolic exhortation. This is encyclical. But it is it's powerful. Um he 
uh, first of all, most of your media accounts are wrong and uh, of what it has to say. And many people know this is that his focus was on global warming, but it really is more than mm-hmm. that. What he, he talks about is understanding that we're part of a uh, an environment, but he's he's talking about the entire reality, not just the trees and, and, and the water. He's talking about the very our very existence is part of like a, a, a sphere of existence. And we've lived in a way where it's like there for us to use. And he says, no, you're part of this. You're not the owners of this. And so he's calling us to have a whole different focus on how we live. If I were to say what he addresses most, it's not global warming, it's consumerism the idea that we can consume anything we want for our enjoyment or our needs and not pay attention to its effects on the rest of the world. He also focuses on a reality that I've dealt with on a personal level, and that is how one part of the world has all the resources they need and another part of the world struggles with basic resources. Uh, I, I was in One of the times I was in Ecuador, for example, um, people would have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get water shipped to them uh, to go where they, they'd like bring these tanks of water. Otherwise, they wouldn't have water for the day. Um, and, he, and he'd say, but this is not an issue in other parts of the world, and we've got to realize we have to share resources so it's not a part of the issue in any part of the world. So it's a great I haven't finished it, but I've gone chapter by chapter and has some really great things to say, and I really, really enjoy it. Right, I'm going to have to end up picking up that book myself, and it doesn't matter what religion you are. It's always good to read up on things like that because it's interesting because I did check it out a little bit, and I was like, okay, some people have their opinions about it, but it seems um, to me it posts a really, I think his book is really presenting some principles to help Christians think about the goods of creation, how they should be valued, and how this modernity can cause us to lose sight of that value. Of course, mm-hmm. amongst other things in this world, everything can cause you to lose sight. That's why you have to stay prayed up and be faithfully strong because it's out here. It's very strong. I call it energy vampires. It's, these mm-hmm. energy vampires will suck you dry. They will make you turn loose. You have to be very strong. Um, Father, this is what I was reading, too. It's, if I'm um, pronouncing it correctly, Lodato C, or am I saying that correctly? Uh, let me see. I, um, I believe it's Laudate C, um, Laudato which C. means yeah. Let, I think means let us praise you. Um, I'm trying. I don't. Okay. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have the exact. But I think it's on Laudate C. That means uh, something like we praise you or praising you. Okay, and. I, and people are referring to it as the climate change. Yes, but it's a lot more than that. It's a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's uh, so. Yeah, I mean, people will say that. Well, that's the climate change one. Well, no, it's a lot more than that. Um, he does address client. He does address climate issues, but really in light of consumerism more than anything else. I've, well, I think people just probably need to end up picking and getting this book. And speaking of oh. books, um, I, I think they, I think they definitely need to, because it's gonna open up your mind and explore the questions that you probably have been wondering as a Christian, Baptist, no matter what religion you are in. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking on, speaking on this, also yourself, Father, you are on your fourth book now. Right. Right. I, I self-published right. the others, and, and right now they're not available because I'm working on my fourth book. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I love writing books. And, uh, so, I yes, can I'm, tell. I'm... That... <laughs> so you said none of your books. So none of your books are out, or you can still get them? Can you get them I think, in anyway? I think, I think you can get one of them on Amazon. I'm trying to think. Um it's just uh, I, you know, it's funny. A lot of writers have this issue, and when you're you're self-published, it's even more 
more intense is you enjoy writing, but you get nervous when people read your writing. It's just, I, it comes from, because you're really putting yourself out there. But uh, my last book I wrote four years ago, so I want to write something that's newer and more updated. So that's why I'm focusing on the new one so that people, because the other thing is, as you write, you, uh, talking about a previous subject, you evolve in what you're writing and say, well, you know, I wrote that, but now I think this is a better way to express it and things like that. So, yeah. So I'm working on, I hope to have it done in, you know, within a couple of months. And I'm about halfway through. And this will be a shorter book. It basically talks about, um, you know, who we are and our faith. But, yeah, it's, it's, I love to write. Now, people have even used um, my book as a, as a textbook. One, my second book, Living Catholic Catholicism. I can, well, I can imagine that. Yeah, that would be a great textbook for class. Just mm-hmm. to get an understanding of, um, and just to let my listeners know, with the book that Father Carr does have out, Lukewarm, No More, Saying Yes to God, also Evolution, Faith in the Future of Catholicism, um, mm-hmm. Living Catholic Catholicism, I like that one, mm-hmm. um, and so... We'll just be patiently waiting on that fourth book, and I hope others can end up getting his other books too because they seem like they dwell really deep into this Catholic life. And to me, I'm not Catholic, but I'm I'm definitely interested. You have my attention, Father. You sure do. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know what gets you know what gets me, Father. You always confuse me, though. It's amazing all these all these different religions. Why, though, why when we always, to me, we honor one person, that's God, but it's so many religions that feel like we, we're separated. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and you know, one of the things the Bible teaches is the greatest joy for God is unity. God calls us to be united in, in him. Um, you know what happens is, the separations come from different disputes over how we understand our faith. Um, so, you know, you have one group and then the other group says, well, we disagree with you. And so we're going to start our own group. And then another group says, well, we disagree with you. And then that, and that's how it all happened. Um, and the Lord is calling us to say, but wait a minute, listen to me, listen to the Lord. So yeah, th- that's, and that happens in a lot of ways. Um, and, and the thing is, um, each, each group may have something powerful to say, but the Lord is calling us to say, can we put it all together and listen to what, what we can say? And that's what, that's what Christ is all about. This is, this is the voice of what Christ says, uh, of, of what God says. And that's, that's in Christ, the fullness of revelation. But what it comes down is we have different arguments over different different thing um and it's it's trying to say well what is it back to what i said originally what is it what is god's will what is it that god wants us to do and so it all really comes through different different ways of interpreting things right because it gets so confusing for one i need to definitely get back into my bible but i listen to my co-workers they discuss their certain things, and I'm like, wow, it takes me to a whole other level because I'm listening to one person, listening, and I start questioning myself, like, how did you even get to this opinion? Like, how did you not think this way, or what made you do this or that? And it and it, it amazes me. I hear some people, I don't go to church all the time, they'll tell me. I'm like, okay. And their beliefs is totally different from the way they were raised. And I guess I need to start asking them, like, how did you even come to that belief? What made you switch over? Is your way of thinking is correct? Oh, it, it boils down. It really gives you a headache. It does. And then I'm <laughs> hearing, you know, it's 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 even hidden stuff that we don't even know about. Hidden Bible scriptures that we still don't even know about that haven't been uncovered. Oh, one of my um, coworkers, she gets real deep into the subject, and I'm like, wow, I, I didn't know, I didn't know this. You know, it's it's go far beyond the Bible, like. Mm. Well, there there are there are writings, ancient writings, as I always like to describe. Those are the ones that appear early morning on cable TV that say, you know, these are the lost writings of so and so. 
Um, we, we've always okay. known they, they were there. Um, just one part of them, may, we've decided, well, maybe that isn't necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, a great example would be there's a gospel, it's, and it's one of the ones that's definitely sold uh, early in the morning on cable TV. It's called The Gospel of Thomas and has some powerful things to say, but one of the last lines in the Gospel of Thomas, it's not the last line, but it's one of them, is unless a woman becomes a man, she cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, no one sees that as being inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's, <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's one of the phrases that's, that's in there. So what will happen is there are powerful phrases and powerful teachings, but they'll say it's not completely, we don't see it completely rooted in, in, in what the Lord is trying to communicate to us. And there's, there's many of those. Right. And as you mentioned, it's in one of your blogs. Um, I think it was the blog on the Catholic Outsider. And I think everyone uh-huh. can relate to this. Like, like I said, no matter what religion that we are so confused, like you said, because it comes from our loss of a sense of our mission. And mm-hmm. I, and that makes sense to me. We have to know what we're here for. But Father, how do how can we go about knowing our mission? Is that something you ask God to let you see or guide you on or or what? Well, that, that's what the Christian community is all about. We we can't go off on our own, and that's one of the things that St. James teaches in the in the letter of James. He says, you know, bear one another's burdens. We're called it's through a process of discernment. And so we learn that through our relationship with others, and we learn that from the Scripture and what is it the Lord is calling us to do and what is our mission, what, you know, what is it that the Lord wants us to do. There's a great phrase coming out of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians where he talks about each one of us have different gifts. And that's that's where that famous line is, well, you know, if all of us were an eye, what would happen to our hearing? If all of us were a nose, what would happen to our tasting? You know, every one of us have a different gifts. So we look at what those gifts are and how we use those gifts basically in service to God and one another. So, um, for example, you know, if someone has a gift of teaching, they can be a good teacher to help someone maybe learn math who later becomes an engineer who is able to, you know, help us explore other worlds. Uh, all of it comes together, but it's, it's, and what is our mission? To be not only a good teacher, but a good holy teacher. Not, a, not only a good police officer, but a good holy police officer. Being people of prayer who do what the Lord calls us to do. Right. Um, now, you also into to the media like you like we mentioned before. You do your own blog, you mm-hmm. write, and that is so great. And you also have done radio hosting. What is your problem now with American Catholic media? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh! Did I put? That, did I? Put, <laughs> yes. Oh, I could go on forever about that, as you can tell, <laughs> and maybe because it's so close to my heart. Um, I just, I, I see that it really doesn't build the faith as much as it could. I mean, and what I'm, while I'm talking American Catholic, I mean, I see some, some stuff that's just overly, what we use the, the term overly saccharine, where people are call, you know, calling in, discussing, you know, things like, well, why is it that, you know, um, some person, uh, does, you know, pronounces this word this way. I'm being, I'm exaggerating, and should be pronouncing it this way instead of being focusing. What does the Lord call us to do, and how can we be great missionaries for the Lord? I guess there's a way to put it. Is there's, there's just two. In one side, there's a level that's just overly pious. Another side, there's just over too many agendas, and no one's turning around and saying, "What does the Lord want to do? Uh, want us to do with this powerful media?" In other countries, I see it. I work. I work um, in different languages. In other countries, I see they've got it. And they uh, there's a, a TV network from Brazil. I'm connected with has their own news, and they have literally their own news agency with cameras on scene and stuff like that, and give great, powerful news reports that you don't see so much in a lot of Catholic media. 
So, and, and a lot of the non-Catholic media, uh, a lot of Christians, um, they get this down, but Catholics, we, our media doesn't really, uh, it just needs a lot of work. But as you can tell, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. You can tell, too. Look, you look, Father Carl about to go to the next level on you. <laughs> he said, hold on, wait a minute. I... <laughs> but you can tell that you're deeply passionate about that subject. Look, I heard it through your voice. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Father, how how do you come about addressing the Catholic morality in a world like ours today? Well, I, you know, I learned a long time ago um, the difference between positions and issues, and that's where it all begins. Um, and what it is, like, for example, um, take any, any issue, any, you know, whatever it is, could be, could be anything. And we'll say, um, I'll come up with, well, might as well, why don't I take, for example, the whole issue of gay marriage? You have different positions, yes uh-huh. or no. Well, those are positions, and you can argue forever on positions, but the real dispute comes at the deeper level, which is the issue. And the real issue is really how we define ourselves as human beings. That's where the discussion is held. So if we have the discussion only on the surface level of positions, you're never going to find a solution. As you were talking about, that's where people start yelling at each other and screaming at each other. But now you start going to the deeper level. Who are we as human beings? Where is the source of our, our respective wisdom? Now you're getting into the more profound levels, and that's where you start asking the questions, and that's where the answers come of how we respond to the issues in our life. Um, even if you think of on the world stage, you may have, well, one of the things that, that St. James talks about, he says, well, where do wars come from? Wars come from the passion of your heart. The people say, I want a world this way. Another one says, I want a world that way. And if you were to look at the issues, you'd find, well, they both want a peaceful world. They're positions of how do we get one. And so you want to go down to the issue, well, how do we build a peaceful world so that we're not, here in the United States on one level and Russia's on the other side and we're arguing back and forth between which which country has the solution to peace, it's how do we as human beings in light of who we are find peace in the world and that's a, an issue, not a position oh, Okay it, I mean it's just so much going on especially um, with the Catholic morality, with the teenagers and stuff because there's so much out there that can block them from sending a message too and we mm-hmm. have to get that's them true. ready it, it, that's true we you know that's a work we have to do is you know to but but you know at all levels to teach people and it all becomes with this is where i was saying earlier be care we have to be careful of teaching that I, I guess a basic teaching, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. It's really about mm-hmm. who's doing the will of God and how, we de- how do we define the will of God. And that's where that whole teaching begins. It begins okay. asking that question. Okay. Because that's now the that issue. makes sense. Because when, right, when I was growing up, oh, you do this, you're going to hell. And it's like, what? Really? Well, darn, you kind of... <laughs> Like that—that's not the way that should be, should it? Like, I'm glad you explained that, Father, because why? Right, we don't want to be misinformed and teaching our children or the wrong way. But now, I think people are trying, even with churches now, everybody's trying to get out into the social media and using all these mm-hmm. tools just to reach them and, and and just present them with this better message now. Mhm. Mhm. But but it still comes down to what is the ultimate message, and that and we're dealing at the very deep level of our what is the definition that we're at. Right. So, so Father, what, what do you see? Our, what is your vision for the society now? What What do you think we're being lured to more? Um, well, I I'm actually. I can't speak to the society in general. I can only speak to my community, which is the Catholic community. And I would say that we're called to seek, as always, seek to live a holy life. And if we look at some of the things that Jesus taught us, he taught us to um, 
we're called to you know be sources of his light in the world that is our call so we're called to to live in such a way that people praise god i guess is a good way to put it um that's what we're called to do and by doing that we uh lead others to know that god is you know god, god is real and that there is this god who is in love with all his people and and one of the powerful things that saint paul teaches where he reminds us that, you know, we talk about the world is filled with sin. Well, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. In other words, God's grace is really seeking each and every one of us to respond so we know that God's grace is alive in the world, and we're called to reflect that to others. Obviously, we have a vast improvement we can make on that, but that's what we're called to do. Right. Oh, well, I just, you know, with all that's going on, I hope that many people get out of living in, in an illusion and really see what's going on in front of them as of today because we're we're actually living, you know, we're living in them times now. Just watch the seasons, watch how everything changed because it's it's coming. We don't know when it's coming. And that's what I get to. Most people always say, oh, well, it's coming. It's, you don't we don't know when God's going to come here. We don't know when the world's going to be destroyed to me. So let's let's not focus on all, all that part. We better be focusing on whether we're doing right. Let's stop focusing on all this other mess and putting this garbage into our minds. We better be making sure that we have our children intact and make sure they're on the right line because this is some powerful stuff, and this goes even deeper, as Father Carr said. This is really deep in we're not going to try to go that deep because it can go on. And we all know if, if you're religious or spiritual, you know it can go really, really deep. Um, but, Father, I would love to ask this for my final question. What advice do you give people who may want to go into priesthood? Um, oh, good question. Uh, I guess I would say to uh, seek the Lord, to be faithful to, to what the Lord says, and meaning um, be people of prayer, uh, make sure you're faithful to attending Mass. Um, here in the church, we believe in, in the sacraments, so be faithful to the sacraments, what we call. And ask the Lord where he's leading you, um, because there's all different ways you can live the priesthood. There's all different ways you can live your Christian vocation, regardless of who you are, and see where the Lord is calling us. Because each one of us, whether we're priests or not, um, have a powerful call, and as I talked earlier in the hour about the role of women in the church, you can see the role of the women is one of those powerful calls, especially when we can take as a model a woman who was on the Vatican steps telling everyone, you better do the right thing. Dorothy Day, who was a powerful um, Catholic in New York. So um, that's what I would say. See where the Lord is leading you, What if he's calling you to the priesthood, where he's leading you, and what type of priest he's calling you to be, because there are many types. Why? Well, Father Carr, I do thank you for coming on to the show. Tell my listeners where they can find more information on you, your books, your blog. Um, I have a website. And I'll give them two websites. Um, there's the one that connects everything. It's called carbooks.us, C-A-R-R-B-O-O-K-S dot U-S, carbooks.us. And the other is where my parish is, holytrinityquincy.com. It's holytrinityquincy, Q-U-I-N-C-Y.com. And by the way, Quincy is, is the home of two of our early American presidents, John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Thank you so much, Father Carl. We'll, we'll appreciate you for being on the show, and I hope no one took anything to offense to the heart because that's not what we were trying to lead to. We just want to open up your mind to new things and make you understand that this is what's really going on in reality. No matter what religion you're with or what part of the world you're from, our ultimate goal here, our ultimate goal here today is for everyone to just give that glory to the Almighty God and to make sure that you are doing the right things in your life, and if not, and then it's time for you to start getting yourself together. But once again, thank you, Father Carr, and I hope that we'll be able to do another educational topic as this to fulfill our God's laws. 
for everyone to understand. And thank you. I had a great time and really appreciate the invitation. You are so welcome. You have a blessed one. You too. You too. Bye. My friend Mary Ellen, truth of the day is this. Reflect on the journeys of people whom you hold in high esteem. This will provide the confidence you need to move forward to accomplish your own goals. Study the accounts of individuals whom you respect and have mastered the goals or similar goals you hope to achieve. This guidance will offer you invaluable information and encouragement to become inspired to find your own success. Achieving your goals can be easier when you follow an example laid out by someone who has created a similar path. These examples can provide the confidence you need to move forward. Today, find examples of individuals, even if they are not present, so you can navigate an avenue towards success. Enjoy the day, everyone, and make sure you stay prayed up and don't let those energy vampires attack you today. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 